and welcome to the history class nobody asked for. This is Historically Accurate, the Historically Accurate podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Michelle Lewis, and joining me today is Cass McGann. Hi, Cass. Hi. Now, Cass is uh, on the other side of the globe, which is, this is probably the most interesting time zone difference I've had for recording. (laughs) Yeah, you know, next time you want to talk to somebody, I'll just fly to Australia and <laughs> That's awful. It's it's summer there. <laughs> okay, no, we um we'll just meet there. That's, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, we'll just go on a no, we can't do that right now. In like a year or so. Yeah. <laughs> so, After COVID, you're on my list. Yes. Uh so Cass, please share with the class how we met. We met, I was in a play uh-huh. in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, called act of the imagination yes and it was set in the 1960s and they brought in this girl to do hair and makeup and that was you (laughs) and i didn't know what i was doing (laughs) but cast did oh i'm i am i was about to say a word that i'm not allowed to say on your podcast i (laughs) Look, we, it's fine. You can I, it's, improvise. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's my profession, and I'm also a stickler for stuff. And you know, the 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 I'm also a stickler for accents. And there was, you know, there were the accents. Oh, Some I of the remember. accents in the show weren't the best. It's um, community theater. I don't know what you expected. I just, <laughs> I went and learned Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I remember yeah, that. I mean. I'm, I'm a jerk. I'm a real jerk when it comes to stuff like that, because I, I, there are things that I'm really passionate about. One of the things being clothing from the past and another thing being languages. So when somebody else doesn't do them, I'm like, why don't you, why aren't you doing that? And I'm a terrible actor. I mean, I'm no good. I just, I suck, <laughs> but I, um, but I do the accent properly <laughs> and I have on the right eyeshadow. You do. Uh, I just remember I, my favorite part was your shark purse. Oh, That's Steve! Steve! Steve's Steve. shark purse. Steve is internationally famous, you know. He's had what? his picture taken in Good. different places in the globe, and he's been he's been written about on people's social media that is not mine. Oh, Steve's famous. <laughs> Steve is famous. Steve brings Steve brings joy wherever he goes. Like children follow me around. It's weird. I mean, I get it. Uh, I used to have a pony backpack and children were like, look at the pony. And I'm like, her name's Penny. And yeah. uh, So you are, uh, I think our, our, the class should know that you're way more qualified to be on my podcast than I am. (laughs) Tell me about your business, Cass, and how. (laughs) No, I got to tell you, I've been trying to get on this podcast since you started it because you called it the historically accurate podcast. And that's like my, my battle cry. You were, you were on my list. I just, (laughs) I hadn't found any, because I was like, I need it to be, you know, something, uh, I don't want to say costuming, but like clothing related. And then I found this. Yeah. And I got so excited and I was like, okay, reach out to Cass when you get a chance. And I just, uh, my brain yeah 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 it's it's been a year yeah so my business i run reconstructing history that's reconstructinghistory.com which is a pattern business a a sewing pattern business we've been in business for 18 years now we've been in business since 2003 and we make patterns for historical clothing from the year 1000 through 1963 so people who are reenactors, who are reenacting a particular time period, Ren Fair performers, vintage lovers, 
lovers so of vintage clothing there's i say I've, I've met plenty of people at this point even though i haven't gone anywhere like there there is an interest in history and it's like almost like a oh, yeah. like a resurgence of it which is cool it's cool yeah and I, I mean i have i have <laughs> yeah well i have i have a theory on it i think that one of the things that happens that i watched happen in the workplace you know because i'm a year or two older than you and um but when i graduated from yeah, year or two I'm sorry a year or two 30 30 three. years three three I'm, I'm three years older than you yep nobody oh you look like hell if you're only three years younger than me <laughs> i had covid all right i don't want to hear it okay 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 that's 30 pounds no i mean you know you you look really good for 50 really good Thank you. um um but yeah yeah when um when i graduated from university you know like you went to work and you wore a suit and and you always wore a suit and there was there was no casual friday or anything and then casual friday happened and then casual workplaces happened and then you know um i worked it through the dot-com era and people wouldn't wear shoes <laughs> i literally wear sweatpants to work so yeah i and i I see the I trend. Think, yeah, I think there's there's a place in our lives where we used to get dressed up to go to work or to go out to dinner or you know to go somewhere special, and we don't do that anymore. And I think that historical clothing is what we do because we miss it. Right. So we we think it would be really silly if everybody in the workplace is wearing jeans and t-shirts and flip-flops, if we went in a suit, that would look dumb. Right. But if we went to a 20s speakeasy bar dressed in a suit, that will look normal. So I think that's what I think it has to do with. You know, I mean, that's why I got into it, honestly. Honestly, I was a club kid and we used to get all dressed up <laughs> in New York going out to the clubs. And then I moved back to Pennsylvania and people wore jeans and t-shirts at the bar and I wanted to dress up. So I joined a reenactment society so that I could wear a pretty, pretty dress. Nice. So you, uh, so I was on your, on your Facebook page for your business mm -hmm. and I decided to read the article because I know a lot of people, one of the hot topics right now is the costuming in Bridgerton because it is beautiful. Uh, it's gorgeous. And I saw that the Smithsonian had interviewed you about corsets yeah like, just like offhand like oh you know we'll just call up our friend Cass ask her about corsets you know get a quote I'm just and yeah. I'm reading I'm reading it and I was like hi why do I know the name in this magazine I'm sorry what <laughs> it's just so it's, you just very casually put it out there like you didn't you didn't even say oh by the way I'm in this article you just put it out there and as I'm reading it I'm just completely caught off guard so yeah thank you for that I was like oh my god <laughs> She is, she is way more qualified than I am. <laughs> I was I was trying to be subtle and you know I do subtle like a slap in the face. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the Smithsonian Magazine, a, a reporter, a writer from the Smithsonian Magazine contacted me and said, we're doing an article on the costuming in Bridgerton and we have some questions. There are some things we, we think are aren't right. And I am the queen of stuff that ain't right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you know? just, yeah. It's no big issue for like anyone in the world, but me. And and you also have to understand, I just moved back to Pennsylvania from living in the Caribbean. So I was out of my mind. <laughs> so yeah, they, they contacted me and there were some things in Bridgerton. They were like, this doesn't seem right to us. And the the, the person who was writing the article is an amateur customer. And she's like, this doesn't seem right to me. Can I interview you and, you know, ask you these questions? And sure enough, I mean, she was right. It wasn't, it wasn't right. There's, there's a scene where they're lacing the girl into her corset and they're mm -hmm. pulling it really tightly and everything. And that's just nonsense. I would say every time I've put on a corset, I've been able to lace it myself. Like, yeah, I don't need a second person putting their foot on my back and like yeah. yanking it. I'm like, 
because in my brain I'm just like oh that means it's you you just haven't broken it in yet is that a new corset why are you wearing it now like yeah that's where my brain goes well I mean undoubtedly undoubtedly there are people who tight lace there are people who tight lace now you know fetishists um there are people there were always people who tight lace there are always people who wanted to make this exaggerated shape however in the time period that Bridgerton takes place in it's the Regency period and you can't not only did they not tight lace in that time period you cannot tight lace the corsets they wore because they're just fabric with some stuffing they don't even they don't have steel bones they don't even have whale bone they're just like they have a wooden busk down the front to keep you straight. Mm-hmm. And basically they're cut in such a way that it pushes your bust up because you have that empire waist and you want your bust to sit up. Yeah. But you need you a heaving keep... bosom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and there's, there's no such thing as metal eyelets. So you just have thread holes down the back. Right. If you tight laced them, you just break them. That makes sense. Yeah. Especially with how tight they were trying to make it in this show. Because I I, I did. I watched the show, all of it, in one night. So, um. (laughs) and it's just, it's, I mean, it's a metaphor. Ever since, ever since, ever since um, Vivian Lee got tight laced, you know, as Scarlett O'Hara got, oh, oh, I used to have an 18 inch waist and this nonsense. Yeah. That's been (laughs) our, our metaphor for somebody being pushed into something they don't want to do or or conforming or like um and I, I i don't know if this was in the article in the smithsonian magazine but i mentioned to the woman who interviewed me that there's a scene in titanic now titanic as a movie with material culture they got everything right i mean they went over the top i'm given to understand they had things like ashtrays on the tables in mm-hmm. some of the scenes yep. that the camera was never going to see, but just so the actors would have that feeling of being in the place. Right. Which, you, you know, as an actor, you, I just appreciate that so much that you could really be in it. Oh yeah. And Titanic has a scene where the mom is tight lace and rose into a corset that also wasn't a corset you could tight lace. Yep. But she's <laughs> doing it while she's telling her you have to marry this guy you don't want to marry because we're broke and you you don't want me to be poor do you so she's being pushed into a situation she's being forced into something she's being restricted and the costumer made tight lacing a corset a metaphor for that right but it's nonsense it's not real it's not it didn't happen yeah but it didn't for Titanic I think it's weirdly historically accurate as a movie for a storyline that didn't happen uh yep. <laughs> now the musical is much better uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's uh the material culture in that in that movie is better than I ever thought Cameron would do well I mean Neil deGrasse Tyson even called him out on getting the stars wrong oh did he <laughs> and so they fixed it <gasps> wonderful yeah, like Wonderful. that's how that's how accurate they wanted that movie to be. I know way too much about the Titanic, like the actual yeah. event and the movie and the musical. It's one of those weird things that lives in my brain. Now you were also, uh, you, you said your name was in Variety twice as well? Yes, well, twice in the same article. Uh, that counts, but you yeah. don't live in London. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. London-based customer Cass McGann, who has never been London-based in her life. The, the, the costume team I worked with was based in london but i'm in the netherlands so right and you um, got paid thousands of dollars to tell people they were wrong and i kind of yeah oh it I, was a dream job it was like, a dream it was wonderful yeah they would bring me stuff and say is that is this right and i would say no over and over and over again <laughs> it's it, it was the ultimate power it was just i mean it was it was incredibly frustrating because i kept i let me back up a second and just so I don't sound <laughs> Look, little context yeah little context yeah I got hired there was a, a show called Barkskins that was on the Nat Geo channel um recently last year uh, and I have to look for it. yeah 
and um, it's the the first season is based in colonial um, New France, Nouvelle France, Canada, basically Quebec, Canada, and um, in the 1690s. And nobody knows how to costume the 1690s. Everybody knows Elizabethan, and everybody knows American colonial, or or you know Georgian, in in Europe, but. The 1690s is this space in between and no one knows what to do with it. And so they contacted me because one of my areas of expertise is golden age of piracy, which is 1680 to 1724. And, um, and I, you know, I've, I've written books on it and, and consulted with reenactment groups and all this kind of stuff. And so they contacted me and they said, you know, would you be our consultant? And I was like, you know, the first thing I always say to everyone is, you know, I'm not a costumer. I don't make clothing. And they're like, no, 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 no. We just want to ask you questions. I'm like, oh yes, I will answer questions. And um, basically what they did was they were, they were pulling stuff because they had a huge cast. They had to costume all these extras and they were pulling stuff from a costume shop in London. And when I say a costume shop in London, I mean, one of these big warehouses like that the BBC owns that has- oh, yeah literally millions of costumes in there. And they were pulling all these costumes and trying to figure out what they could use that would work for the 1690s. And the answer really ends up being nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, so I said no a lot. <laughs> I said no a lot. <laughs> and yeah, and then, you know, taught them a few things and, and, uh, got clothes on people's backs. You will see in bark skins, nobody's naked or not for very long. <laughs> <laughs> not for very long. Uh, in Canada. <laughs> yeah, well, I, now I need to go find that show and watch it so I can be like, now have you seen if your name is mentioned in the credits or not? My name will not be mentioned in the credits because I was not... Ooh. I was not an actual, uh, yeah, that's why I was surprised when the, the way my name got in Variety was that the costume designer, Anna Tarazis, mentioned me while she was being interviewed, right. which I, I like immediately shot off an email and was like, oh my God, thank you. Because I mean, this is not my first rodeo. I've, I've done this a lot. Um, I, haven't done it, I've, I haven't done it for anything quite as big budget as Barkskins, but um, I do this a lot and you don't get because really you're just a consultant who's working for the costuming department you're not someone who's on the movie on the movie or on the tv show right you're 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 like three people away from the person whose name goes in the credits right and that she mentioned me in variety i mean you know i'm I'm, I'm this idiot who goes and does community theater that my name is in variety is amazing to me because yeah. I'm not, my industry is not entertainment. Industry is history. Right. It was quite amazing to see my name in variety. And it was only because she mentioned me and she didn't need to mention me. And most costumers kind of go away and pretend that they knew everything. No one helped them. <laughs> So it's really nice that they, that they gave you credit. Like, even yeah, if she's, it's just in an interview, like that's- She's great. awesome. She is, she is terrific. I will work with her a hundred times. She's great. Yeah, I do remember when you costumed a show that I was in. It was, honestly, the costumes never looked better for that show in the three years that I did it. So Thank even, you. well, here's the thing. They reused the one that you, one of the ones that you had put me in Mm -hmm. um but when you had put me in it I was about 50 pounds heavier and by the next year when they put me in it again that thing was like a bag on me and nobody wanted to fix it you know what they did they clipped they clipped it they clipped it and but I mean it made my quick change a little faster because I just went whoop I didn't have to do all those eye like hook and eyes down the yeah. front oh man Good time. But they could have fixed it so easily. It's not not that big a deal. Yeah, I I mean that that was one of the things that that was. Uh, it's because the, I, the person who wore it before me, because I remember you had to take it in even when I first put it on. Yeah. Because the person who wore it before me was even bigger than I was. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So for me, because I know just from working in a dress shop, you can maybe make it two dress sizes, three tops, like taking something in. And I was beyond that. Yeah. So. And then it starts looking weird. And then, you know, the side seam is in the back. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do miss my apron and I wish I had stolen it. Um, the little it was a good apron. One that you made. I loved it. It was, so it was a good apron. Because I was what, what, Victorian era? Yeah, Victorian. Yeah, mid, mid-Victorian. Yeah. Well, they didn't give me a time period, but we, we did set it in like It was the, Charles Dickens. I mean. <laughs> we set it in the 1840s. It was in the 1840s in my head. That works. That's yeah. good enough. So now it's time for 10 rapid fire questions that may or may not teach you something about my co-host. I just need you to mentally prepare. (laughs) I will. I'm preparing myself mentally. What is the stupidest thing you've done on your own free will? Stupidest thing I've done of my own free will. Back into my mother's house when I was 50 years old. (laughs) Yeah. Stupid. (laughs) I mean, I did that at 27, so I get it. Um, Weird food combinations do you really enjoy? Weird food combinations do I really enjoy? Gotta be something because I I love weird food. I figured because you've been like around the world and stuff. Yeah. Might like something a little different. Hot sauce on scrambled eggs just isn't that weird, is it? Personally, I'm not a fan. Um, it's pretty weird. I hate the taste of eggs. So, All right, that's you know. pa- I pa- that passes. That's why I use cheese. Yeah. You see, I, I'm, not so, I'm not crazy about cheese. I know I live in Cheese Central, but I don't <laughs> like cheese. I'm not crazy about cheese. I've got to put some good Caribbean hot sauce, like hot sauce without a label on it. Hot sauce with somebody's auntie's name written on the bottle. Oh, that I would die. That hot uh, sauce. All right. I accept, I accept that. So what animal would be cutest if it was scaled down to the size of a cat? Giraffe. <gasps> that would be... T- yes, I concur. Uh, what? What's the most expensive thing you've broken? Goodness. My goodness. I figure as somebody that works with history and, and such, like you're around very expensive, valuable things. <laughs> but if they're priceless, are they expensive? If you can't replace mm. them. <laughs> I think no. it counts. I think it counts. I think irreplaceable um, is even worse. Oh, I don't know. Uh, hard. It, it's, I know. It, I didn't mean to give you a bunch of hard questions. No, it feels like there's something like right there at, at, that I'm going to completely forget about that I just don't. I don't remember the moment. I feel like I've done something really horrible and broken, broken something really important. And I just don't, I can't think of it right now. I never get to answer my own question. So I'm going to just, just to stall for time. Yeah, go ahead. So personally, uh, as somebody who still lives in the United States, the most expensive thing I've broken was my wrist. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. Because it was a car accident. So like that on top of it. And then I had to get surgery. Officially officially the most expensive thing I've ever broken. Wow. I remember when you had the broken wrist. Yeah. Because that that was ultimately why you didn't do my makeup. Because you you got in the car accident in the middle of our like tech week or something. Yeah. And I was also in a show at the Mm -hmm. same time. And I had, because I had one more performance and they were like well no it's okay we'll figure out how to replace you and I was like absolutely not it was cabaret I was dancing around in my underwear yeah and yeah. so I just wrapped because that was well when is cabaret set world war, war two yeah yeah world war two mm-hmm. yeah so I remember I had a, I had a purple cast mm-hmm. I had to figure out how to cover it so I wrapped it in lace mm-hmm and then nobody even realized that I had a cast and yeah, that sure. you know I broke my wrist four days before the performance yeah. Anyway, that's my most expensive thing. <laughs> I, 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 yes. I'm thinking it has to be something really, really big, and I just don't know that what I, what would have broken. Right. We can come back to that one. I do because I. Uh, <laughs> Watch. You'll I think. Like you'll I'm... think of it later, and then email me. <laughs> You're okay. like, oh, this is I what feel... I broke. 
I feel like I have a great story and I cannot remember it for the life of me. That's all right. It's your cure for hiccups. Tough because I get the hiccups a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, I get I get the hunger hiccups. Oh, that sounds and and they hurt. Ew. And the 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 only thing you can do is eat, but you don't want to eat because it hurts. And yeah. <laughs> sounds terrible. No, it's it's really like you will literally time your time your meals because you don't want to get them. But yeah, I, I tend to get the the hunger hiccups and they're really kind of painful. Um, but yeah, eating something cures it. That's a new one for me. Now, if someone narrated your life, who would you want to be the narrator? Maybe, who knows? <laughs> I could do a great stage accent, but like to actually, like he's, he's fooled people. He's fooled people from that country that he was from that country. I mean, I had to learn my standard American accent from a woman who's from England. The fact that I still am terrible at standard American accent and I live in Pennsylvania says a lot. <laughs> all right so would you rather look like a potato or feel like a potato I'd rather <laughs> feel like a potato see that's the one i wanted it's, it's, what like how do i know a potato feels bad you know i mean a potato certainly feels good about being a potato right yeah yeah clearly yeah what would be the perfect crime oh for context Bob is his husband. Yes, Bob is my husband and he's he's a, a voice artist. That's true. I remember we did a radio play. Gosh. I yeah, he's a voice artist and he has a lovely voice because he would, if he narrated my life, he would um, not only use his beautiful voice, but he also does funny voices. Oh, uh, yeah. That's and he's he is so much better than me at accents. I hate him. <laughs> So he could do yes. accents from all the different places we've lived. Yeah, I remember I picked you up from the airport once and you'd just come back from Ireland mm -hmm. and he was doing all of those, like uh, all of the nuanced was ones, like he was going from one to the other and I'm like, just yeah. get out of my car. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you were getting yeah. so mad at him. I remember. Oh, it's it's so funny. He He could do like three different Irish accents and about 10... English accents, and he'd never even been there. And I was like, I lived in Ireland for a summer and I can't do an accent that doesn't sound like the Lucky Charms leprechaun. Yeah, my brain doesn't pick up accents very well. I've, yeah. I've tried. Uh... Mm. You manage to... It's bad that my brain immediately goes to the perfect murder. <laughs> it is, it is. All right. Because because I go to larceny. I mean. Oh <laughs> no! Please tell me. Tell me yours. Uh, my mine might be incriminating. <laughs> no, I mean I I think the perfect crime would be liberate, shall we say, <laughs> billions of dollars from corporations who are not paying their proper taxes and who are so not doing their duty to society and to liberate from them billions of dollars that they don't deserve and shouldn't be holding on to and redistribute it among people who would benefit from that which is you know everybody else a modern day robin hood kind of scenario yes but you know all kind of black cat suit and sneaky <laughs> oh i'm here for the cat suit uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm like crawling up the side of buildings i'm terrified of heights but in my dreams i crawl up the side of buildings oh it's beautiful i love it yeah so how do you think the world would be different if bananas were illegal i think i think it would be a very sad place just think of fruit salad what would fruit salad do it, everything would just be juicy and there would be no substance. <laughs> You're talking to somebody who can't stand bananas unless they're by themselves. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, I think I, they're way too overpowering. I don't like bananas that are too old. I like a just slightly not green. 
just was green yesterday but isn't green anymore banana i'm on the other end i will make banana bread until i die um, oh i hate banana bread i learned how to, well because that's old bananas mm -hmm. actually i intentionally hid some so i can make some because it's becoming a problem um on there um as a kid i used to get car sick and um dramamine came in this liquid for children that was banana flavored oh god and so that that really strong banana taste and smell yeah makes me think of getting car sick so i i like bananas but i only like them when they don't smell like bananas question Mm -hmm. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Why or why not? Well, we kind of, well, we have something. Similar. Okay. We have this thing called Wurstenbroges. And oh. Wurstenbroges are, are basically a, a, a Wurst, a sausage. Yeah. In, which isn't like a hot, because you cook it together, you know? So oh. it's like, it's, you put the sausage in the bread and then you bake the bread and the sausage gets cooked. I just really bread. wish people could see the hand gesture you just made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's too bad I don't use video. <laughs> you naughty, naughty girl. Naughty Listen, girl. do you remember what our topic is today? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I have um, That's why I was thinking of Wurstenbroches in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's but, why I thought this was a very fitting question for your final one. Uh, yeah, but but broches is also the Dutch word for like a kind of sandwich. So, you know, years ago, I would not have said a hot dog was a sandwich. But now that I live in the Netherlands, I think I cannot deny that a hot dog is indeed a sandwich. I was listening to back issues of the podcast to prepare for today. And you said something about studying five languages at the same time. Yeah, I hate it. Which five? Spanish. I'm traveling around the world in 2022. Oh, cool. See um, us, yeah. You're like the perfect person to ask that question to. <laughs> from, a, from a logical international perspective, from yes. a multilingual perspective. Exactly. There you go. That's. I have, I have a question for you. Oh, oh no! This never happened. Cat. <laughs> it was. I wasn't there. It wasn't me. My trip. I don't think the Netherlands is um, oh. Arab, Arabic, and actually, I like Arabic. I'm gonna be honest. It's it's pretty nice. I was doing um, my German, which oh. I don't think that counts. <laughs> I just want to be uh, on a conversational level. Yeah. Uh, anywhere I go, I want to be able to ask where the bathroom is. That's honestly the only thing I care about is finding a bathroom. Yeah. It's an important thing. But yes, um, the trip is Peru. It's 57 days. Mm -hmm. uh, so I start in Peru and then it's London, Paris, the Swiss Alps. Venice, Rome, Tuscany, Athens and the islands, Dubai, Kenya, Bangkok, the Thai islands, Hong Kong, and then Sydney, Australia. And then I no. go home. Cool. No, I was, I was wondering because, you know, I mean, the kind of funny thing, language is my hobby, but language is the thing I have my degree in. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, I took German in high school and then um, but before that I took Latin. So like some of the languages, I always find it really interesting how they intersect. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I already knew some, I hate that it's labeled as Chinese when I know the language is Mandarin Yeah, because I've been to China, like, <laughs> like they gave us like these one-on-one lessons before mm -hmm. we went. Cause I was only in high school mm -hmm. and we, we learned very basic phrases. Mm -hmm. I didn't learn anything about the characters though. Mm -hmm. And uh, the app I'm using makes you learn about the characters. And I'm like, oh, now I have to read it. Yeah. Ugh. And of course, now we're going to get into our lesson. Uh, one time in Europe, men's fashion was a statement. <laughs> There's really no other way to put it. Now, for uh, the first time in historically accurate history, Cass is going to teach us about it. Like I did, I did a very little amount of research. Now, uh, fun fact, you want to know how I found, found out about, we're talking about cod pieces today and I should really 
this is now officially the disclaimer for anybody listening <laughs> that um, keep it as appropriate as humanly possible. But we will be speaking about the male member. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, those, those baby arms. Yep. Yep. Because that's... that's what the cod piece is about. You know, yep. now, like, it, isn't it, you know, at least in that time period, didn't cod mean like, you know, the. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So we are on the right track here. Yes. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a euphemism, as, as, as you say. It's, it's like slang. Um, but mm-hmm. older it's like real old slang right it's it's old slang because it means like a bag it's yeah. a very old word for a sack i went straight to fish which is why i titled it fish sticks <laughs> i got <laughs> I it come up. I yeah thank it. you i, I thought it. i was hoping you'd catch that in my email mm-hmm. <laughs> so fish, fish bowls <laughs> fish bowls this is a fun one so, Cass, please, uh, please share with the class. What is a cod piece? In bag, you know, like the the berries to the twig. Okay. Back in the Middle Ages, full of poor stockings, and when I say stockings, I don't mean like pantyhose. I mean very long socks. Right. Yeah. Because when I when I was reading about it, they, I saw them listed as hose, but then they went into like a further description, like no, they're just longer yep. socks. Yep. That went and up, hose. that went like way up and they were like wool, probably uncomfortable. No, they're wonderful. Um, we, we can talk about how wool isn't <laughs> uncomfortable in a minute. Right. <laughs> I just did a podcast on that. Um, hose, hosen, it's hosen, you know, from German. It's, it's a, a word associated with, well, it's associated with socks now, isn't it? But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just keep my, my modern knowledge of the language and my, knowledge of costuming terms from history kind of collide with each other sometimes. So and wore these garments on their legs, which were like long socks that came up over the knee. And they were made out of cloth. They weren't knitted because knitting takes a long time and cloth, you just cut a piece and put a seam up the back and you're done. And this is what they wore, but the overgarments they wore were very long. So their tunic came all the way down and covered their knees, both men and women. And the socks came up over their knees. So they didn't wear trousers of any description. <laughs> Sorry, I'm but, imagining the photo. The, they're yep. not photos, they're paintings. But like, Yep, yep. There's this wonderful painting, wonderful <laughs> painting of, uh, of, it's a manuscript illumination of a bunch of women. There was some kind of siege and it was against the Persians and they had succeeded to chase the Persians out of whatever city they were sieging. And the women are all arrayed on the edge of the city with their dresses flipped up over their heads and their bare bottoms sticking out, <laughs> farting oh at the God. Persians as they leave. And there are these little, little lines in the manuscripts so that you know that they're farting. They're not just mooning them. They're meant to be, there's yeah. sound coming out of their butts. So anyway, um, <laughs> it was a different time. Um, it so, just makes, yeah, it makes me think of Monty Python. That's where my brain yeah, went. Totally. It's totally, I, I'm not entirely sure Monty Python didn't get it from that because <laughs> they were <gasps> very well-educated men. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, so so in in the 14th century, it was the period of the Black Death. And when the Black Death happened in Europe, the people who survived went a little nuts. And the clothing suddenly got really, really tight and sexy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm okay. Yep. And short. And when the clothing got short on men, suddenly their butts were sticking out of their clothes. So they had to do something. So they made their hosen longer. So the hosen came all the way up. And instead of just tying around the knee, now they tucked into their belts or they tied onto their belts. So you had kind of like a garter belt with wool hose hanging off of it. But there was nothing in the front. So they put a triangle of wool in the front to hold the left and the right leg together. 
and to cover your private parts. And this was called a codpiece. Then later on, you know, the years go on, you start sewing both legs together and then the codpiece becomes of a flap and more of a construction. Yes. And things got really crazy. In the 16th century, you had, there's a bunch of German soldier, foot soldiers called the Landsknechten. And the Landsknechten wore the crazy clothing with slashes and crazy colors and big poofs of linen sticking out through the slashes and hats, hats as big around as a, a lar extra large pizza with feathers sticking off of them and everything. And these men had cod pieces that looked like Atwurst. <laughs> Bits of linen sticking out of them like whiskers. So, as the years progressed, men found different and interesting ways to adorn their baby makers. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them were quite ridiculous. As I said, the Landsconnect, Landsconnect had this, you know, reputation for cod pieces with like whiskers and just enormous things sticking out of them that you think, wouldn't you be aimed to walk around with this thing on the front of you? It's like this, this construction on your genitals. Pony but pony. Yeah, yeah, on your baloney pony. But there uh, was a point of male pride. It was like a bit of peacockness. Like a, you know, virility kind of, kind of Yeah, deal. and matter and of fact. Look how good I am. Bum, bum, yeah, bum. and if you look at uh, portraiture during Henry VIII's time, the eighth showing off his lingam. Yes quite a lot because he's trying to tell the world that he can make babies, which we all know he really yeah, no. wasn't that wasn't good at making. It. No, no, they die. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> true, true. It's true, but awful. He killed a bunch of women over it. I don't have oh. any sympathy. Oh no, I'm not saying no, he's a terrible, terrible person. I mean, I just recently, cause we didn't talk about the tutors or anything about that um, when I was in school. Yeah. And I'm only just now learning about like Anne Boleyn and you know everybody else. I mean, there is a musical about it now, but yeah. Oh yeah, I heard it's really great. Six, yes. I heard it's really great, and uh, yeah. If you, there's a, a YouTube channel called Reading the Past, the Dr. Cat, Dr. Cat Marchand, and she is uh, English historian of texts. And her focus is the Tudor period. And she has so many great videos on the Tudors and other things, but yeah, mostly yeah. on the Tudors. So, you you know, give her a listen. She's, she's awesome. Um, kind of interesting because you look at all these, all these amazing, his manhood on display, you know, manhood wrapped in silk and stuck out there for everyone to see. Isn't that what I sent you? A, a, yeah, that's the one I sent to you. I was like, hi, I want to talk about these. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I circled it. Exactly. I want to talk about these. I'm like, okay, sweetie. Not a beef whistle. Um, yes, it's his joist, his joystick. Um, his bishop. Yep. Yep. The love rod. I knew what I was circling. Yeah. <laughs> but um, well, and here's the interesting thing: it, his um, Alice <laughs> wasn't in there. That's not how you build a codpiece. Oh, even better. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it started out as being this thing, as I said, this was flap to cover your, your genitals. It's when functional. Yeah. Yeah. It was functional. And then it became not functional. Then it became like, if you, there are some, I mean, there's not a, a lot, but there is some historical clothing that is extant in museums. There's um, the Sturry Garments in Sweden, in Uppsala Cathedral in Sweden, and um, a couple of other pieces in German museums that survive that have cod pieces and they're not for you to put anything into they just tie on the front and they look like erect longfellow 
but it's a lie. It's a total, total, it's not just an exaggeration. It's not in there. It's not in there. It's behind there's, it. It's, it's just a... Yeah, it's, it's the, the, it's, it's the decoration. Fake, it's the fake nose. It's, you know, the, 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 it's the padded bra. It's not even the padded bra because the padded bra, at least your breasts are in the padded bra as well. It's just decoration. Yeah. And it's absolutely fascinating how quickly it falls out of fashion as soon as Elizabeth becomes queen of England. That's one of, that was one thing that I was reading about uh, Bob Dole. And mm. then, <laughs> and then it just like, fell off the face of the earth real real quick it's it's and i mean has to be elizabeth's influence because the men are wearing the same it's one of the articles that i found was talking about how well men were wearing these tunics and that's why they needed you know something to cover Um, pieces of clothing elsewise but the cod pieces are gone or they they start getting smaller like, you know, your, your tallywhacker shrinks, <laughs> no but it's not like, it's, it's not like there's this radical change in men's clothing that happens at the same time. It doesn't, it's just this one aspect just kind of fades into the background. So, well, I mean, it, I, yeah, it's kind of resurfaced in modern days with, um, of socks Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the same. It's the same gist. <laughs> well, I think I think that as lo- as as long as there has been crotch area on display, there have been men putting stuffing in there. Just like as long as there has been a breast area on display, women have been putting padding in there. You yeah. know, we have hey, we, we have pat our have, butts too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And now oh, we're doing it again. Oh, the, you know, so, so yeah, it's like, as, as long as there's been people, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's been bits of wadded up fabric to make up for what we want more of what that we, we want, don't yeah. have. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I didn't tell you this, but the, the reason I found cod pieces, uh, because I just, you know, I use TikTok a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one time I'll give them credit for something but somebody had co- popped on to make a video about cod pieces and then they used a screenshot from your patterns like it still had your company name on it oh yeah and I was like hey I know her oh wow and it was like a really you know popular video and I was like cod pieces that's what I need to talk about Cass because she clearly knows about it and you and as soon as I mentioned it to you you were like I could write a whole book on these it's like ah yes oh, oh my god I love yeah. it but yeah that's jeez I had no idea I had no idea yeah. when I gotta be on TikTok and start following people that use screenshots <laughs> that's not the first time that I've seen somebody like the talking about like historical clothing and then mm-hmm. they use an image from your website now like I said a lot, most of the time it still has like your your little logo in the corner so I'm like oh okay that counts as credit but yeah. <laughs> I was like this is so cool oh. Cass is everywhere fame fame <laughs> fortune the not dream. so much fortune not Living so much fortune but well, fame you, you yeah. like your job so that counts or something I do like my job I do like my job <laughs> well um, appreciate you coming coming on to talk about <laughs> oh this is fun god peace so much fun let's do it again do it again yeah absolutely uh i like having you here and you know the the whole the whole schmeckle conversation that was fun that's always great <clears throat> well i'm uh, always up for talking about schlongs and twinkies and wands and wiener schnitzels yeah there's Look, yeah. there's a lot of words on my list that we didn't get to, and I'm really, I, I thought it would come up more, but it didn't. It's too, a spawn hammer. I should have used spawn hammer. I should have said pink oboe, but here we go. <gasps> <laughs> is it an oboe or is it a flute? I will never know. I don't know. The skin flute. I feel like oboe is a little more accurate. 
Yeah, I think you're right. As a woodwind. Because a flute, a flute goes this to way. To the side, yeah. An oboe goes this way. Yeah, so I think yeah. oboe is more accurate. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, this is what my day has become. Um, but yes, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Um, Very welcome. Very welcome. Thank you for teaching us about cod pieces. <laughs> you can't even say it without giggling. I can't. <laughs> Look, I am a child. Uh, I'm 12. <laughs> uh, class dismissed. Hi there, happies. As you probably know, this is an indie podcast. That means just about all the work required for producing the show is done by yours truly. If you write to the show on any platform, I reply. If you order something, I send it. The researching, the editing, publishing episodes, creating social media content, all that jazz. You may have noticed that I do not run ads on Historically Accurate, and I would like to keep it that way for as long as I possibly can. So, if you like the show, please follow the social media accounts, leave a review, share it with your friends, the works. And if you really like this show and want to support us, you can send a one-time donation of any amount to our Venmo at Historically Accurate, or consider setting up a reoccurring donation to Historically Accurate on Patreon at patreon.com slash the ha podcast. There you will find exclusive content, bloopers, merchandise, tickets for live recordings, first access to live show tickets, and even some Patreon-exclusive episodes. Each tier is a term of endearment in what I am affectionately calling the happy place. I sincerely appreciate every one of you who listens, and I'll see you in the happy place.